the previous managers who have led Irish teams to group stages, Michael O'Neill and Stephen Kenny, both went on to manage internationally. Stephen Bradley could definitely have those ambitions down the line. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. Now then, welcome along. Monday's Off The Ball, Joe Malloy here. So honestly, we did say last week we would try and avoid Manchester United talk next Monday but they don't make it easy. So here we are once again. Miguel Delaney with us half past seven on the latest abomination. Pat Nevin after nine o'clock. He was at Stamford Bridge. He witnessed those terrible scenes at full time. You hate to see them in the game. Wait, no, we love to see them in the game. The more aggro, the better, said Jamie Carragher. He was precisely correct. And then between eight and nine, our new slot, we can tentatively say it's getting a surprisingly good reaction. It started over the summer break and after much deliberation it's called a slight tangent we tend to use that phrase a lot Uh, Team OTB, me, Mick, Ronan, Arthur chat away, we don't overly prepare talking points, it seems to be working well-ish, people enjoying it-ish, so it gets another outing 53106 is the text number, we're at off the ball on Twitter Richie McCormick, hello Dave McIntyre been too long Hi lads. Great to have you on, Dave. So a slight tangent between eight and nine, Dave. I don't know if you've seen any of this, but it's um not to be missed. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen or heard it yet, okay. but uh, now that you've teed it up so well, I'll make sure I'll tune in later. It's um I'm I'm being a touch um down on it. It gets it's it's got a brilliant reaction. We started this during the summer where the football show would usually be and it was almost like a OTB raw let's just chat away about the things that we would talk about in the office outside after 10 o'clock but let's do it on air omitting you know the things that would get us fired obviously and uh, you know it seems to be getting a very good reaction so people have asked us to keep it going so we're keeping it going for the uh, foreseeable so that's between 8 and 9 as for events around Old Trafford not good definitely a moment Dave where for the second goal David De Gea knew I shouldn't really pass the ball to Christian Eriksen here mm. it's not looking great for anyone everybody's marked they're really Brentford are really pressed up on us but I think this thing that can affect players when a new manager takes over uh, kicks in whereby oh we've been given a new plan I feel I should stick to the new plan my instinct to tell me I should go long but it is the new plan I'll just go with the plan and the inevitable happened and uh, the abomination continued um, really worrying start for Eric Ten Hag he's got to get a hold of this pretty quickly as, as crazy it is to, as it is to say about somebody who's inherited a mess and has only had two games this can have a runaway train effect Absolutely uh, it's, I don't think it's an exaggeration to call it a full-blown crisis already two games in and if you had put together some sort of hypothetical nightmarish start to the Premier League season for Eric Ten Hag even in his wildest worst nightmares I'm not sure it could have been any worse than what has happened over the last week. And we've said it so often over the last 18 months, this is a new low. Well, here we are again with this group of Manchester United players. This is a new low. And I was laughed at by some friends of mine when I was discussing Manchester United over the weekend by initially saying that if I had 20 euro of my own money, particularly away from home, there isn't a single club in the Premier League right now I would put that 20 euro down on them to beat. Not one. And that is a club if you were talking in general terms about any other club, that's relegation material. The sort of club that you would not back to beat a single team in its division. Mm. There isn't one of them 
that I would possibly Everton, maybe away from home at Goodison Park, given how the difficulties they're experiencing under Lampard, that I might think United might go and beat. But I mean, even then, I would have to be persuaded to part with 20 euro. I'm not saying they can be relegated. I'm not saying they're in for a relegation scrap. But no matter who their opposition was going to be in match week three of this week, this season, which happens to be Liverpool, no matter who it was, I wouldn't be backing them to beat them. Such are the grave issues and problems that the club as a whole is experiencing, that Eric Ten Hag is experiencing. I group of players whose confidence is shot to pieces beyond oblivion and will take months to put back together if indeed it is those players that he'll be looking to do that with. So yeah, I don't even know where you, be, where you begin with them now. Um, Brentford haven't really been the story even though they should be because they were absolutely superb in that first half. But the first two goals in particular were, I mean it's comical kamikaze stuff. Oh it really is. Danny Murphy was in the mail on Sunday saying De Gea can't play in a Ten Hag team. He's not a good enough footballing goalkeeper. You have a centre-half who costs £60 million in Martinez who must really be wondering how he's going to cope in this league. That's not to mention Eriksen as now deep-line midfielder as opposed to false nine being completely run over. Uh, Rashford Sancho in abysmal form. I can't remember really a single thing Sancho has done since his arrival at the club. Rashford looks utterly dejected as a person. And then the Ronaldo situation is just comical. He completely blanked Ten Hag walking off the pitch on Saturday. It was very obvious he blanked him and the relationship there isn't good. And the reports today, we'll talk to Miguel more at half seven, but the reports today and over the last 24 hours are very much that now Ten Hag is of the mind that maybe keeping Ronaldo isn't such a good thing. The negativity is um, is not worth what he does give you in front of goals. So that's basically every single position on the pitch. And you've got <laughs> yes. Liverpool on Monday. The, nut, the nuts thing about United, though, though, Joe, is that Ten Hag, without wanting to place all the blame on him, because you just can't. Yeah. Like, he's been in situ in that. Like, he knew he was getting that job before the end of last season. Totally. He, was pract- he was practically in the job, as far as I remember, before the season had ended. Like, he'd essentially gone over and done a recce and he was, you know, on the fringes of training sessions, et cetera, et cetera. And he was there. He, like, he was, he had feet under the table essentially before the end of last season. Has had the entire summer. And yet he's scrambling around with chess pieces of, you know, he's brought in one or two players. Ericsson's one. He doesn't know what to do with them, mm. which seems bizarre. Martinez. And Martinez, because he's going with what he knows and looks like he's going to continue going with what he knows if, you know, other links are, are to be believed. Like it, 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 he needs to accept some responsibility for this because you don't go through preseason and having had an extended period in the job before preseason, knowing you're after knowing you're getting the job from probably March or April of last year, and still manage to put out a team like that. Like you have to know the raw materials with which you're dealing, and then you have to have you have to have a decent list of players handed over to your higher ups before June even starts and have them secured you would hope within a couple of weeks of that but like to see other teams around them to see Forest chalking off players of which they want to buy like with you know abandon uh, at the moment to see other teams like Brighton doing you know smart business to see West Ham doing smart business albeit a little bit more cautious but literally everybody seems to know what they're doing in that league bar Manchester United which is just it, it's unthinkable mm. from a club of that stature to be to be that rudderless yeah oh it sure is like Ten Hag is just on the scene and deserves time as any manager does but it is an incredibly inauspicious start and even the Martinez signing 
which he drove and he made looks really questionable already so um, Miguel Delaney with us half past seven we will talk to Pat Nevin maybe a bit more about Chelsea Spurs which was an amazing uh, game in so many ways but let's start the news round get your texts in it is brought to you which let labs for an effortless finish to your day uh, Aaron in Galway Liverpool fan said I know it's probably not going to happen if United somehow did end up getting relegated I love that that's a, <laughs> a premise we're now introducing after two games would they even be good enough to survive the championship well, in a way like they're so lightweight they'd be run over by lots of teams in the championship actually they I think that's the, 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 the Brentfords of yeah. the championship would eye them up and think Ericsson and Midfield, Martinez, I like licking their lips. Oh, they'd, they'd score enough goals to stay up, I think. Plus <laughs> okay. the parachute payments as well would would be a, a, of a massive assistance to them as well. That. Okay. United would avoid League One, is what we're sticking our necks <laughs> out to say here. So there is football this evening. It's both in the Premier League, which we'll come to in just a moment. And then you have Airtricity First Division action as well, Richie. Yeah, Cork City can uh, take another step towards the title in the first division tonight. There'll be four points clear if they beat third place Waterford at Turner's Cross kickoff there is at 7.45. Liverpool will play their first home game of the Premier League season tonight with Crystal Palace, the visitors to Anfield. Spot the surprising inclusion in this Liverpool 11. It's Alison Becker in goal, a back four of Trent Alexander-Arnold, Nat Phillips, Virgil van Dijk and Andrew Robertson. In midfield, we've got Fabinho, James Milner and Harvey Elliott and a front three of Luis Diaz, Mo Salah and Darwin Nunez. For Palace, they go to five at the back. Uh, Guaita starts in goal for them. The former Liverpool man, Nathaniel Klein, is on the right-hand side of defence. Uh, then in the centre it's Joel Ward Wacky Anderson and Mark Wehi with Tyrek Mitchell on the left Ebrechiesi and Czech Decore are in midfield with Jeffrey Schlupp and Wilfred Zaha in support of Jordan Ayew kickoff is at 8 o'clock mentioned Phillips coming into the starting 11 there Joel Matup is out with a groin injury and Joe Gomez is on the bench but not fit enough it seems for a place in the starting 11 that indeed does go to uh, Phillips back in the team for the first time since 2021 Right so many injuries Matip Thiago Canade Oxlade-Chamberlain Diogo Jota Cuevin Keller of course Curtis Jones so they're making do a little bit at the moment Liverpool Jordan Henderson rested on the bench they were flat I think is the overriding uh, sense Dave against Fulham on the opening day of the season you would anticipate Anfield crowd evening kickoff. they'll be back to their usual level did have the thought after uh, last week's draw on Fulham will we ever reach a point with this Liverpool group where they put in so much and played in so many big games over the last number of years and probably haven't won what they should have that just the reserves will drop and it will be harder and harder for them to motivate themselves against teams like Fulham who are opening day enthusiasm pressing all that kind of stuff you never feel Manchester City have to be as breakneck as Liverpool to be at their best or certainly to beat most teams more likely to drop points than Manchester City are if they're having an off day but I think that's the challenge that Jurgen Klopp has, isn't it, that he just has to continue to try and introduce little bits of new blood into the squad as the, the the seasons tick on, and he's done that pretty successfully with the likes of Diogo Jota, for example. He's got Luis Diaz there, he's still settling into the squad. Darwin Nunez, Thiago, uh, Naby Keita, Oxley Chamberlain, these guys that have been introduced season on season to ensure that there is a continued a turnover in players so that he isn't left with a squad that have been listening to his voice for four or five seasons. Even the departure of Sadio Mane, which is obviously a blow to the squad but it's just all part of that uh, development process and trying to bring new faces in and make sure there's an element of freshness no matter how many years he's been at the helm but it did start to go badly wrong for Mabrosi Dortmund after those two Bundesliga wins and the trip to the Champions League final I mean he left with the team really struggling it just looked like his time had run its course there I don't think 
that is on the horizon in terms of where he is at Liverpool at the moment. It's probably a few seasons away, but it has happened to him in the past. And my feeling is that this is a Liverpool team that is not at the level that it was at last season and, and two seasons ago when, when they won the Premier League title. I really have a fear that this is going to be a bit of a non-event as a Premier League season in terms of the title race. I just don't see Manchester City dropping enough points. I think Liverpool are a little bit vulnerable. And will Crystal Palace see that starting eleven this evening? I uh, could be sitting here with egg on my face in a couple of hours after a comprehensive Liverpool victory, but Nat Phillips has played virtually no football over the last 12 months, having played so many games in that injury crisis hit season where they pretty much lost every central defender they had. I think Palace will find to their chances of getting at least one this evening. And yeah. If you end up four or five six points behind City even a handful of games into the new season it's very difficult to see City surrendering a lead to the point where other teams will be able to get after them but I hope the likes of Chelsea and Tottenham will be able to take points off them and that it'll be a competitive title race but we have to be so thankful for what Liverpool have produced over the last four seasons otherwise City would be going for five or six in a row Yes totally agree with all that there's a degree of can they sustain it again against uh, you know these incredible odds uh, trying to somehow outpace Man City over the course of a season seems near impossible at the moment Benny says they're not chess pieces Richie they're drafts uh, Leeds fan here I can't quite contain my excitement that OTB is even mentioning let alone discussing the relegation of that crowd I mean it was a text Connor. it was a text from Liverpool fan but yes we did read it out and Mike says very negative on Manchester United lads they'll be top six by the end of the season <laughs> I mean, yeah that's a text <laughs> dripping with optimism yeah. I mean it is very difficult to see them finishing top six with that squad hmm We'll try and be more positive about their 4-0 defeat to Brentford on the football show, Mike, <laughs> between 9 and 10. So, Tuchel Conte. This was yeah. Cody Shefflin, but with far more adrenaline and uh, things really got going. Yeah, Thomas Tuchel and Antonio Conte have both been charged this evening with improper conduct by the Football Association following yesterday's touchline confrontations at Stamford Bridge. The two managers were shown red cards after clashing at full-time, having already been cautioned during the one-all draw between Chelsea and Tottenham. Both managers have until Thursday to respond to those charges. Hell of a game, Dave. I don't know if you saw much of it. It was just uh, end-to-end and very lively and really good. And uh, Graeme Souness and Sky positively uh, giddy afterwards. Uh, It's a man's game once again, which has drawn raised eyebrows I think as well yeah but I, there's been a, a statement released other in the last hour or so where ah. he says he was specifically referring to the two games involving men that he was covering yesterday afternoon I for one under, uh, took his words to mean exactly that but I know there are some people out there that, that took them to mean something different but the game itself yesterday was fabulous absolutely brilliant it was a throwback to maybe a year, few years gone by where every single tackle didn't lead to someone rolling around on the floor waiting for a whistle there were some really good challenges where players went in for 50-50 balls and just got straight back up we had four goals we had a couple of controversial refereeing decisions we had new faces making their mark in their respective teams and a real derby feel to it as well and that's before you even get near mentioning what the manager's gone up to during the game I just per- enjoyed pretty much every minute of that match yesterday afternoon what an atmosphere as well it felt mm. like it was a cup semi-final or something and a further evidence that Tottenham aren't the Tottenham we're used to seeing over the years and evidence that Chelsea aren't going to go away either it's, I'm look, really looking forward to the, when they meet again later in the season because there does seem to be an element of needle not just between the ma- managers we know historically between the two sets of fans 
they certainly don't like each other but between the players as well there's something else going on there I mean I've never I haven't seen Kai Havertz as riled and as niggly as he was yesterday it's not something you normally associate with him but he was in the thick of most things and it, it was just a joy to watch proper game yeah how uh, Romero wasn't red carded for pulling Cucurella's hair is beyond me with VAR intervening it's just, it's just the, such an odd decision and I thought Havertz was absolutely fouled in advance of the goal maybe they don't want to go back 44 seconds so I th- and I, I, I thought Richarlison probably was interfering with play Mendy had sight of the ball but because he'd like bent around Richarlison so I thought Tuchel had cause to be aggrieved afterwards with the referee I mean the refereeing decisions weren't my big takeaway from the game like you I just thought it was a, an amazing spectacle I hadn't seen that uh, Sunes statement I saw on TalkSport this morning where definitely um, passed on the opportunity to um, you know I don't even know if an apology was required but maybe just to clarify his remarks or withdraw the remarks in some way I think it's a, it's just one of these classic situations whereby there's a, there is a middle ground here that is acceptable to everybody but the two extreme sides are the loudest so there's definitely a uh, this is uh, woke culture. He has zero case to answer. This, you know, Simon Jordan was in Talksport defending him. He was in the room with him on that show with Jim White, saying, you know, this does a disservice to the cause to kind of bring up these these non-issues. There's nothing in it. And then you've got others saying it's a disgrace. The man's a misogynist, and he should practically be sacked. Like, yeah, I think they're both wrong. I mean, there's there's there there is a, a bit of a case to answer, but nor is. A disgrace. I think the simple uh, solution here is, is uh, obvious to most people. Uh, Graham, any of us listening know exactly what you meant. You know, like it's it's a phrase that's been used for decades. We're presuming you didn't mean to cause any offence, but at the same time, when you're saying that sitting beside a female player who has a hundred plus caps for England, it jars. And you've got a thousand other ways that you could express aggress uh, you know the aggressive play which is, is all you're saying it's like you'd like to see the aggressive play back so let's just retire that phrase use any of the other phrases you want to use and everyone's happy again I, 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 it is that simple I would think yeah look we're not entitled to the middle ground anymore are we and you know I don't think your reasoned rationalised analysis of the situation has any part to play no. on Twitter it won't you know, go viral so can, that take I just offered you that there. and you can we, we don't want any part of that Okay, I mean, it's a very short statement, so short I can just read it for you. To clarify my comments from yesterday, I was referring to the two Premier League matches I watched live on Sunday afternoon rather than the sport of football. Football is a game for everyone to enjoy. Yeah. Short and succinct. I don't I don't really feel there was clarification required, but um, I mean, you summed it up pretty well. I I doubt Gray will use those words in a similar situation again. Look, even if he had had said merely players going at it instead of men at it that would have been the end of it there wouldn't have been any eyebrows raised at all but um, I can see the point he was trying to make because too oh, often totally. we it's tune into the big game on a Sunday afternoon and there are players making a meal of every little challenge that comes in on them and we're not left talking about uh, what we really want to be discussing after a big game yeah oh, I thought his sentiment was 100% right like it's it's such a better watch this seemed to start with the Euros last year and long may it continue because um, I was starting I didn't know what a foul was at a certain point anymore it was just it was losing me I think it's much better now so uh, Sene Nuupu Richie 
Yeah, she's announced her retirement from international rugby. The New Zealand-born centre made her Ireland debut back in 2015, going on to win 48 caps. Her last outing in a green jersey came in April's Six Nations finale against Scotland in Belfast. She was, of course, omitted from the squad that has travelled to Japan for that two-test series. Yeah, amazing contribution. Incredibly popular with her teammates. Very positive uh, person as well. Had the pleasure of sharing a Virgin studio uh, with her. So, like, it's an amazing story. Arrived here and uh, had this unexpected journey with Ireland. So, congratulations to Sene on an amazing career. Your text to 53106. Kieran says, lads, quote, City won't drop many points. This was us saying that. Uh, didn't they lose a nine-point lead last season to leave them needing a win on the last day? They did, Kieran, absolutely, and that's in my mind. But I don't know, Dave, I just don't see them having the same dip this year as our sense. Yeah, I, there's a couple of things with them. I feel that they're better overall because they've just brought the best striker in the world to the club. And I do feel that was the one thing missing when it came to a lie to some of the unnecessary tinkering from Guardiola in a couple of big games but Haaland there makes a difference for me they are a bit threadbare and with talk as well that Bernardo Silva might be looking for an exit I think that would leave them with 18 or 19 senior players which for a club of its size mm. and financial resources is quite something that it's not something you would uh, you would have anticipated seeing as the transfer window was coming to its conclusion so maybe they need to add a couple of bodies and now they're definitely looking to bring somebody in in the left back position but if they play at six out of ten, yeah. they're going to win the game, aren't they? And now they've got an out-and-out centre-forward that's probably going to gobble up some of the chances that they haven't been able to really score since Aguero was off his peak when they had that real goal-poaching centre-forward. Jesus was unable to fulfil that role, although he certainly looked capable of it for Arsenal at the weekend. Mm. It's just difficult to see many teams beating them. And I do feel that Liverpool are going to drop more points this season than they did last and the season before. So, Richie, the European Championships continue in Munich. Yeah, Phil Healy and Charlie Maudsley in the past hour or so have missed out on qualification for the semis of the women's 400 metres. Healy was sixth in her heat in a time of 53.1 seconds, while Maudsley was sixth also in her heat in a time of 52.63. Uh, Luke McCann and Andrew Cosgren are in separate heats of the men's 1500 metres this hour. Earlier, Fanula McCormack was seventh in the women's marathon, helping Team Ireland to a fifth place finish overall. Amory Glynn and Eva Cook, 28th and 33rd respectively in a race won by Poland's Alexander Lazowska. Hugh Armstrong Strong was 58th in the men's marathon, while Israel Alatunde, one to look out for tomorrow, was just a hundredth of a second off Paul Hessian's national record as he qualified for the semi-finals of the men's 100 metres. Eric Favors, meanwhile, was just 21 centimetres off qualifying for the final of the men's shot put. He was 15th overall with a throw of 19.71 metres. Mm. And by the way, speaking of the European Championships, uh, proof, not that we needed that Paul O'Donovan in particular and Fintan McCarthy are completely underappreciated. I mean, they won European gold and here we are 25 minutes on the show. It's just taken for granted and it's not like this massive cause for celebration, which it should be. And I, we're hoping to speak to uh, the guys during the week, I should say. We've reached out to them, invited, invited them on the show. But I mean, what they're doing is just extraordinary. Like they, they waltzed to a, an Olympic gold and then yesterday they let the Swiss lads row out for about 1500 metres and then everybody knows what's coming last 500 they kill them and it's a European gold and they don't even think much of it really and and nor do we in some ways but it's so noteworthy and it should be really celebrated so I saw a quote from the Skibbereen rowing captain Sean O'Brien and he was talking about how exceptional they both are but O'Donovan in particular who as we know is you know really one of the greatest Irish athletes of all time and, and again not appreciated he's never in the like if we were to have that conversation I don't think he'd be thrown into the conversation by enough people, but even Sean O'Brien was saying about O'Donovan that he's got this incredibly high 
lung capacity and he has a long stroke and he's kind of just like perfectly designed for the sport and uh, I don't know Dave there's a certain guilt that way. <laughs> like, uh, he wins, they win a European gold and we're like yeah that's what you guys do. Yeah, there's there's an element of what happened to Sonia Sullivan at times in her career. I remember Sonia strolling down the track to win another European gold medal, and you're kind of shrugging your shoulders almost. What have you done for me lately, yeah. lately Sonia? Yeah. I mean, it's it is farcical. It's not like we have a storied history of gold medal success at the European Rowing Championships, but Paul in particular is just such an elite performer that it is just becoming expected, and we look at an Olympic champion and so we just assume that when it comes to the Europeans he's going to be the one standing tallest at the end yeah. and that indeed was the case yeah and just in case you don't all feel like failure is enough out there on the side he's training to be a surgeon but other than that other than that you know he's just a regular bloke just like the rest of us uh, Richie last couple of stories yeah, we should mention Luke McCann, by the way, has finished in his heat of the men's 1500 metres. He won't be qualifying uh, for the semi-finals. He was down in uh, around about 10th position in that final this evening. Mona McSharry was 7th in the final of the 200 metre breaststroke at the European Swimming Championships there in Rome. The Sligo swimmer was 2.8 seconds off the podium places this evening. McSharry returns to the pool tomorrow morning for the heats of the 50 metre breaststroke. Earlier, Danielle Hill, 22nd overall in the women's 50 metre freestyle. Hill was also 22nd overall in the 100 metre backstroke. And in the men's 50 50 metre breaststroke Dara Green was 23rd overall and Owen Corby was 26th well Emily Kay finished joint ninth. sorry Joe sorry, in the women's omnium at the European track cycling championships in Munich she did start brightly with a third in the scratch race but could only muster 25 points in the final sprint finishing on 113 overall and 54 points off those podium places you could hear my intake of breath there mid-sentence and <laughs> didn't want to throw you uh, Pat and Wicklow makes the not unreasonable point hi if you don't want to talk about Man United then talk about Brentford, small, intelligently run club who don't get the credit they deserve. It's a great story and just as interesting as all this United suffering. But they did that on Saturday, Joe, without Mikkel Damsgaard, who they just bought from Sampdoria, who, if he manages to stay fit, could well prove to be one of the signings of the summer because he is a brilliant, brilliant player. Just needs to get, I think, a full season or a close on it mm. uh, in terms of games under his belt because just in terms of raw talent is excellent and more than an adequate replacement for Ericsson in that midfield. You see, Pat, intellectually, I'm with you. I hear you and I loved their fourth goal which was a joy but to talk about it on a Monday I just can't feel it's as interesting as talking about Manchester United it's a bit like a match of the day Dave where you get the customary well Gary we should start with Brentford because they were magnificent <laughs> however <laughs> yeah it's an Irish radio station in a country not full of Manchester United fans, but with a lot of United fans. They Ultimately, they are the story. But we will get to the point where United getting turned over by Brentford and a Brighton will no longer be the story because yeah. it's becoming pretty customary. Um, I, don't, I don't even think Manchester United fans are the subject of the derision now that they were a year or two ago when they were losing these sorts of games because they have, they're quickly becoming an irrelevance when it comes to playing any sort of a part as a factor in a Premier League season. Now they're just a laughing stock for everybody, including a lot of United supporters, I would imagine. But Brentford were absolutely brilliant. And mm. a lot of clubs are maximising what they're capable of doing. But Brighton and Brentford are two such clubs. It's at the stage if they if they lose by two or less against Liverpool, it's like, oh, that's, that's not even enough. Relief. To yeah, it's grand. <laughs> Did you see Will Zalatoris, by the way, last night? I was listening to the closing holes and the playoff on PJ Tour Radio as I Dave. attempted to drift off to sleep but it was so gripping and the guys on PJ Tour Radio did a really brilliant job of it and then I watched the highlights today because as as hard as they tried they couldn't quite paint the picture of the the situation he found himself in with his ball on the final yeah. playoff hole the par 3 
Um, I had, when I saw today, I couldn't believe that he was even considering trying to get a club behind that ball. I know. So many interesting aspects to it. Fired his caddy mid-tournament, a caddy he's very friendly with. And then in the playoff, there was a ball, as Dave says, on the 11th. In the third playoff hole, sudden death, that he was going to attempt to play. And his new caddy was politely almost trying to say, I don't know you that well, but honestly, you're crazy if you try and hit the shot. I, I don't know how forceful I can be here, but you're in, you're a madman. And, and we'll, for any listeners, they should have a look at his reaction when he held the putt in regulation play on the 72nd green, mm. where he, when he was a real an animalistic bellow into the skies. What are they going to say now? I guess he's talking about about his putting and yeah. the naysayers around his putting stroke. That was pure emotion. And it's why the PJ Tour will always be something that live golf can never, ever be. Yes, they may have stronger fields on opposing weeks from time to time. Yes, they're playing for far more money on that other tour. But there isn't no meaning to it. And there is no, nothing at stake, really. And you saw what that meant to Zalatoris last night. Absolutely brilliant viewing. It was amazing, yeah. And this is a guy who's come so close in the majors and missed putts and had a much-analysed putting stroke. But man, he was good last night. Yeah, it is going to hurt when he signs for live, Dave. I'll give you that in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, fellas we are done Dave McIntyre always a pleasure thank you thanks guys Richie McCormick cheers Rich cheers lads